Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode 61. We are back after Texas Tech's senior night victory over Oklahoma. The Red Raiders win in thrilling fashion in that game, erasing a 18-point deficit to win 51-48. to We're going to break down that game pretty in detail. It's the last regular season game. There was surprisingly a lot on the line for what was a relatively meaningless game between two 6-5 and uh, five teams at the time. But the Red Raiders did get the win. We'll move up the bowl echelon as well as securing a fourth overall finish in the Big 12 and a conference winning record for the first time in many years, as well as the first time since Kingsbury's first year that Texas Tech would win three Big 12 games in a row. So like I said, a lot was on the line in that game for a pretty meaningless moment. Um, It will be the final game with the old end zone as well. So for those of you who live in Lubbock, go check out the construction and enjoy watching the renovations happen. It'll be going, should be finished sometime next year. After we break down OU, we're going to talk a bit about how the season kind of went overall. We're going to break down things like expectations, did we meet them, kind of where the program stands, how some of the coordinators and coaches did, as well as just talking about in general, what would it mean to win a bowl game now that you've gotten to this 7-5 and five record. We don't know our bowl selection yet, but we will speculate a bit for you guys on where the possible angles are. We'll close out by talking basketball. As we record right now, Texas Tech is at halftime against Georgetown. We're not going to talk about that game, but we will talk about Maui. Um, we may reference the Georgetown game just because we all are watching it, but we're going to talk about Maui. Lessons learned. Red Raiders, of course, would go one and two in that in that event. We're going to talk about what the young team learned from playing some good competition and how can they take those lessons and build off of them, as well as areas of concern as we wait for conference play to come around the corner in a very tough Big 12. But like I said, we'll start on the football front. I'm going to go to Reed with this one first. Reed, let's start with the slow start the first quarter was all Oklahoma and and it I mean with the exception of the opening kickoff going well for Tech pretty much everything for the rest of that quarter was a total disaster what's your diagnosis of coming out slow in that game and talk a little bit about what you saw that Tech had to adjust to in order to respond yeah I almost wonder if Tech was just kind of on cruise control really after that uh, that Iowa State game a little bit because uh, after that win and that kind of brutal weather, we were locked into a bowl game and uh, we were just kind of ready to roll through the rest of the season. And then Oklahoma's kind of had a, uh, you know, a down year for them by a lot of measures and they kind of came out and hit you across the mouth to put it politely. So, um, yeah, I was not expecting it to open that way, first of all. But second, I wasn't really expecting much of a comeback either. Uh, not really a knock on this team by any means, but, you know, just the team I've seen over the years, I don't see a tech, uh, football team come from behind in that nature very often. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people probably saw that, a statistic online where, uh, mentioned all these categories that tech lost in, uh, to Oklahoma in that, in that game and still ended up winning. And it was, that that was the first time in, uh, you know, modern history that they've been keeping statistics in that stature where a team has actually overcome those and actually won the game. So uh, you you won on the scoreboard, but you really didn't win anywhere else. So uh, I think that goes to show a lot of grit and determination on your side of the ball and um, that you never give up on, you know, no matter how the game or how the stats are shaping up, you can always still go out and win a game. And I kind of think that's the kind of thing Joe McGuire's preached throughout the season and uh, so far throughout his tenure. So I think that's really gone uh, and done a lot for your program. Um, also too, you go out and beat UT and Oklahoma in the same year for the first time in program history. And, um, 
really kind of cement yourself as a program that's kind of heading in the right direction because, you know, three, four weeks ago, we were looking a little on the grim side heading into Kansas. We were uh, four and five and kind of struggling on the Big 12 to even uh, hope for a near good finish at any point. And then you go out and win your last three uh, consecutively to make a bowl game and push to fourth uh, alone in the conference. So, Really, really good year to, to say the least, honestly, for a first year program. And, um, you know, as this game, as you asked and kind of what what I saw it stood out to me was <clears throat> really just determination on both sides of the ball. Um, a lot of what to me, it seemed like a lot of players were determined to try and make it a game. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson, one of, you know, he had that early fumble that cost you, you know, a lot of momentum and you know whatever else you want to put in there that he uh, he may have lost on that play for you but he ended up coming back and playing a really good game the rest of the way and um, some other guys stepped up on defense without Tyree Wilson in order to kind of make some plays and make it a game so it was good to see a good team effort because like I said earlier none of the really stat categories were, were won in our favor by any means but uh, we still found a way to go out and win. Yeah, for those of you who don't know what Reed's referencing, Football Scoop tracked, I think it was like 1,700 games over the last couple of seasons, and there are five stats that they look at, <coughs> trailing after the first quarter being one, total passing yards, total rushing yards, um, expected yards per play through the air, um, you know, and, and every major stat category, Oklahoma was better. Of course, some of that is related to how the game flows. Those stats aren't a perfect encapsulation of who's playing better, but to fail at all of them is usually a pretty good indication that you are not playing better. Um, in fact, I think in the article that Reed's talking about, the, the reference that was being made was the average margin of victory was like 30 points in games in which this happens. Um so what allows Tech to overcome such a slow start? Reed talks about it. it's a lot of grit, right? It, and it is an adjustment. We're going to talk about this in a minute. I'll go to Jack here in a sec for this. But I do want to highlight Zach Kettley's performance in this game. Um, I've thought he's been not great at times this year and outright bad in some instances. He's not playing with the best hand. He never has been. But now he's had a starting quarterback for a few games, and you can see that that makes a difference, um, as well as the fact that he seemed – in. You know, he didn't do it against Iowa State, which, again, it's, it's the consistency of a young staff you want to see start to get better. But against Kansas and Oklahoma, you saw a guy who was willing to adjust and accept um, what defenses are giving him. OU is his best game by far, though. This was his masterpiece. He came in with a game plan that just didn't work. OU completely stuffed it out. Brett Venables was much better prepared to come into this game to take away what coach Kitley wanted to go to so he had to change it up he started to ride Sir Roger Thompson a lot more Thompson was phenomenal in this game until his injury really he was borderline unstoppable um, Taj Brooks was also somewhat effective though really the real back star as has been the case a lot down the back half of the season has been Thompson and on senior night he was incredible um, he was the spark that got this game going um, and again, OU responded after the second half, right? You know, look at the stats. It doesn't look like Tech was super effective running the ball. Thompson at 3.9, Brooks at 2.2. That's because after halftime, OU basically said, we're not going to let you beat us on the ground. We're just not going to let it happen. And what it did doing that is it opened up a lot in the passing game. You saw the deep ball completion from Shuck. You saw a lot more ease finding guys downfield, a lot more openings. Um, when OU blitzed, he was able to check it down to guys. That's the adjustments that we've been wanting to see all year. Take what's there, and, you know, Kitley did that. And part of that's because Shuck is 
learning this offense a lot more each week. His audibles were a lot crisper. <coughs> His execution was a lot crisper. But credit to the offensive coordinator. It was not pretty a lot this year. He put in a really, really gorgeous performance at the end, and one that I think you build off of in the bowl season next year. You know, as you start to have more and more guys longer in the system, um, I think that that if 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 Kitley can turn in this effort, even eighty percent of this effort. He'll have a great time in Lubbock. If he can give you this every week, you're going to win a lot of games. Because Tim DeRuder did a fantastic job a lot this year. This was not a good game. We'll talk about that in a minute for the defense. But Tim DeRuder did a fantastic job this year. So I think the defense can continue to get better. You just need Zach Kiltley to do more of this. And if he does, he's worth every penny you're paying him. All right? You will just With a young staff, you want to see him get better every week. I'm not saying we saw that. There were moments in wild inconsistency, but it is a great sign that in your final moment, he was as good as any offensive coordinator has been this year at finding what could work for his team and executing it. Um, because it, it was such a bad start for Tech. I mean, the, the, whatever game plan you came in, whatever script we came in with, blew up immediately after that fumble. I mean, OU was everywhere, so he had to adjust. And when OU started taking away what was working, he had to adjust again. And that's tough to do. Brett Venables is many things, but he knows how to call good defensive performances. He knows what to call, and you're up against a real good defensive mind. So to be able to adjust and play that game with him was his best moment. Um, you know, it was easy against Kansas. Kansas was so bad defensively. You took it at him. OU is not a bad defense. They've had some bad moments, but they got a guy who can really call a good game. And when they're on their stuff, they can be pretty elite. Um, so to go out and 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 have to outsmart them a bit and in a real offensive show was a great sign. And there's also a lot of what Tech wanted to see. You're kind of redeeming what happened between Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. Uh, for any number of reasons, this game was more fun than that. That game sucked really bad. But you're redeeming what happened there. So, you know, kudos to the offense for not getting down when they had another kind of, you know, poor performance in the in the first quarter and came out really willing to continue to work and take what was there. Jack, I want to go to you with this same thought. Let's talk about Sir Roger Thompson. Let's talk about the offense. What worked in this game that allowed Tech to get back into it? it I mean, it's kind of like what you guys said, right? It, it's just grit and perseverance. For me, <clears throat> I know Reed and I were both at this game, and, you know, early, I mean, first off, let's get let's get this out of the way. It was cold. It was, it was cold. And, um... That first, that opening kick return had the vibes through the roof, and then just the fumble, it took everything out. And, you know, OU scored, it seemed like two plays later. I know it wasn't, but it, but it seemed like two plays. It was like, I think it was like four ish plays later. But, um, you know, it was just something that, um, to speak to what Joey McGuire has brought to this program. And uh, my point is being there and being around other fans, there were points of the game where the offense was coming off the field after going three and out and there, and the boo birds were out. It was a little almost disheartening, but at the same time, it was kind of just like, Hey, we're not booing you because of what's going on. We're kind of booing you to like, wake up, you know, like, this is a big game for the, those of us that are here. It's the last game with the scoreboard, all that. And I never truly felt that Tech was out of this game. Even when at one point we're down 24-6, to I still never 
really felt like Tech was out of the game. Um, now, granted, if you take that 24-6 to score and put it towards the end of the third quarter, we might be having a different conversation. But at the end of the first quarter or in towards the middle of the second quarter, I still never felt like Tech was out of it. I never got that vibe from most of the fans and I'm I was sitting probably you know eight ten rows up above the tech bench and I never really got that from the bench either um I was I was lucky lucky enough to sit uh behind the defensive position benches and before we get into talking before I get into talking about the offense I just got to say while it's on my mind um the defensive grad assistants are fantastic, and whenever it happens, Jashawn Johnson is going to be one hell of a coach. Um, I saw him getting into people when he needed to. I saw him guiding people when he needed to. He's going to be a great coach. He's a great person, great dude. He's going to be a great coach. Um, but about the offense... You know, it's kind of like one of those things, like, you're, you've are you kind of been vindicated, right? You finally handed the ball off over 20 times to a running back, and it worked, you know? I, I granted, you're right at about four yards a carry for Sir Roderick, two touchdowns. Um, it just felt like every time that we handed the ball off to Sir Roderick, he was making a guy miss in the backfield or within the first couple of yards, but then he was going down the field and he was getting falling forward for five to six yards. That's how it felt to me. And and even Taj only getting 12 carries for 26 yards, I think that's kind of misleading because I feel like there are a lot of times that he was brought in on third and short, and uh, they were like, hey, Taj, go get three yards, and he did. Um, Taj had a great game. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about Tech's first touchdown uh, carry to Jalen Hutchings. Uh, getting in the end zone, which was fantastic. It was one of the better things I've seen this season from the, uh, from the stands. And um, man, everyone on the, everyone on the sideline loved that. And I kind of think that that actually got people going and back into the game. Um, but I really like speaking speaking on Kitley. I I fully agree with you. I think this was his best game by far. Um, the adjustments made were fantastic. And I just want to say this. If Donovan Smith stays at Texas Tech and is played in this role as in the offense like he was against Oklahoma, sign me the hell up because it was, it was perfect. I mean, there are times that he's back there in the backfield – Take it, and then he'll jump in under center and take it and run, or you know, fake the pass. Then he'll go run it around for a touchdown. Uh, you know, he caught a ball for a touchdown in this game. Um, I I truly think that the way that Donovan Smith was utilized in this game is probably uh, what we might see going forward, regardless of who the quarterback is. Um, and I'm okay with that. Um, it's perfect and it works. And um, I think for the first time in this game, also, you saw someone besides Miles Price or Xavier White step up from the receiving core. Uh, Jaron Bradley, you know, eight catches for 173 yards and a touchdown. Uh, 
I believe if I heard correctly from the radio show, I'm not sure if it's accurate, but uh, no one had had uh, stats like that since, or I want to say someone said that there had been uh, no one have that many yards in a game since Crabtree did it for Tech. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but I'll find that and I'll report back next time. But um, Jaron Bradley had a hell of a game. He's going to be a stud for Tech in the future. Um, Tyler Shuck looked comfortable for the most part back there. Um, and I think that, you know, we've, we have been, I don't want to say critical of Tyler Shuck, but there have definitely been times where we were wondering, you know, what, what the deal is with Tyler Shuck, you know, um, why he makes some of the throws he makes, you know, we've been talking about there might not be as much zip on the ball at times as others have back in that quarterback room. But, I believe I also saw a stat that said in his starts, he's 7-1 and one as a starter for Tech. And you know what? I don't really need the flash. I don't need the, I don't need the miraculous throws. I need wins. And I'll tell you this. If every eight games that Tech plays, we go 7-1 and one with Tyler Shuck at the starting quarterback, that is a hard stat to look past and that is a hard reason um it's a difficult decision to make but you gotta start looking at who's winning and who's losing ball games and i think it firmly throws tyler shuck's name back into the uh back into the conversation for uh, not just the bowl game but next season also yeah let's talk about quarterbacks for a second because there is going to be an offseason of all kinds of transfers throughout college football. You know, we're watching Texas is losing guys left and right. A&M's losing guys left and right. Baylor is. And this isn't even me saying it as an indictment of those programs. This is what the new reality is. Those programs have some talent on their benches that are not playing and are leaving. Um, TCU will lose all kinds of people after the playoff, as will everyone. I think Tech will lose guys. I saw one guy enter the portal. There will be more. The room that is most important to watch is the quarterback room. And you talk about Donovan Smith's role. That's important for one of two reasons. Number one being that that formation was successful. It really threw OU for a loop. Um, that He was wide open on that reception. They didn't have an answer for him when running the ball. He did a great job lead blocking. They, it just it threw OU off. And number two, it keeps him engaged. I think that can be a role for him going forward. I, I, I don't mean to be a dick to the kid, but just the reality is he does not seem to have the stuff to be a D1 starter at a program like Texas Tech. It's, it's just the upper-level quarterback talent that you have to have to run this offense doesn't seem to be there. He's athletic. He's fast. He's got a good arm, but he doesn't seem to have the accuracy or and he doesn't seem to have the comfort level running this kind of offense because this offense puts a lot in your hands. you got to make a lot of reads. I think Donovan would be great in some systems. So I'm not going to be stunned if he decides to transfer into some of them. There's some places where they run um, offenses that will really utilize his legs more, let him get comfortable out of the pocket, minimize some of the reads he needs to make, simplify the game a bit for him. He's a very bright kid, but it always seemed like the game was moving a bit too fast. That comes from the fact that he really didn't have a ton of quarterback experience coming into college, and as he was his he was kind of thrown, baptized by fire, you know, that's a hard way to learn. But he is extremely, extremely big, fast, and strong, and there is nothing wrong with him being, you know, there's a Jason... <laughs> 
Jason Hills made Taysom Hills made a, a fucking career in the NFL doing this. You know, obviously that's kind of unique. I don't know what kind of dirt Hill has on the Saints, but they keep playing him. But you can make a role being fast, able to catch, throw, block, do everything right, and that's what he's doing. So I think keeping him engaged is critical to keep him in the room because he is a serviceable backup if the worst happens. I don't know what's going to happen with Baron Borton and Tyler Shuck. There's going to be a true quarterback battle there, and you've got even younger guys in the wings that are coming in. So it is tough to say well, who's going to do what, but I was very proud of Shuck coming out in senior night, balling out. He looked comfortable. He settled it in the game. I mean, he was throwing his best balls. He got baited into a couple bad throws. A few he had one interception the night. He could have had one or two more, but otherwise he was pretty great. And he uses his legs extremely well. He plays very very hard. Um, I was very impressed with him. Now let's talk defense. Reed, I want you to go with this one because the defense was not good against Oklahoma. But I do want to highlight, you know, some of the moments in that game that really changed everything, which is that interception and the kind of the big hits. But let's focus first on kind of what went wrong what did you see from the defense from this night that kind of allowed OU to take advantage of it what was allowing these big plays to develop yeah I'm sure there's kind of numerous ways to 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 go about it um yeah honestly it was it was kind of opposite what we what we did last week really uh I, I would say against Iowa State was probably your best defensive showing um part of that is obviously who you're playing and then um, you know, the kind of weather that you're in didn't uh, really have much of much of a good effect on either offense uh, in terms of moving the ball or scoring. But uh, this was definitely, I think, probably their worst game all season long, uh, maybe the exception of one or two other ones. Um, you know, I, I think there was there's numerous things you can look at. Like I said, uh, believe it or not, Oklahoma's got a lot of good weapons on offense. Uh, they got a good quarterback. They've got good receivers. Uh, and the running backs to transfer from Tennessee, they've got a solid offensive, offensive line. Um, you know, to me, there's no reason to think that they shouldn't be one of the better offenses in the Big 12 when they're all healthy. Uh, obviously, there were some some injury problems with uh, um, with Dylan Gabriel. I think that's kind of where they took some hits in terms of losses and stuff like that. But when they fire on all cylinders, they're one of the better offensive teams in the conference. Um, so I don't think it's any knock on our defense to – play as badly as they did against this offense because uh, I think most people would agree that they played really well on offense uh, regardless of what our defense was really doing they were moving the ball at will uh, quite a bit of the time uh, with the exception of, of a few moments uh, here and there but uh, the one thing I will say about our defense is that they made stops when they had to uh, you know, when they gave up a lot of points a lot of yards um, they were on the field a lot early again uh, which didn't help because our offense turned it over, and then they went three and out pretty soon after. So they ran on the field playing a lot of plays right out of the gate, which is was never a good recipe for success for your football team. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they were able to stop OU when we needed them to. Uh, that interception from, from Rabbit was huge before halftime. Allowed us to get in the end zone again and kind of build that lead or uh, build that, that gap in between us and Oklahoma towards half. And, um the end of the game, obviously, we, we threw a pick on our side of the field with, uh, I think it was like five, four or five minutes left in the game, and you hold them to a field goal. While it's it's three points, it's a lot better than seven in that scenario because that makes your offense have to go not nearly as far to go score the ball and tie it up and take it to overtime. So um, I was proud of the way they kept playing, same way with the offense because 
like I said, in the way we started on both sides of the ball, it wasn't looking very good in any at any point really. So I was just glad to see that they kept playing, even though they were giving up a, a hell of a lot of points and yards, and uh, they were able to make some plays towards the end of the game that kind of helped seal it for us. Yeah, so this is something, we, we mentioned that article earlier by Football Scoop. This is something the article highlights is that the defense is four down stops. I believe there was two of them, uh, forcing a couple of field goal attempts. That is why OU had to get so many yards because they needed the extra possessions. That interception was one of the better interceptions I've seen um, in college football. Really, a lot of your interceptions have been extremely impressive. You haven't had good luck actually finishing finishing ones that have kind of been thrown at you, but you've done a good job taking it away from some guys. And that was just a grown man interception. But those plays did uh, they did enough to win. Which again, the biggest difference I think between now and that Baker Mayfield Mahomes game is I was at that game in the student section. Nobody thought in the entire stadium that Tech defensively was going to get a stop to win the game. Um, that game was very close, very competitive because of how good the offense was. But there was no doubt that if OU needed a first down to win the game, they were going to get it. This game, I felt like as bad as you were playing defensively and they were not good, that you could still get a couple of stops to win. And that's what you did. You got a couple of stops that you had to get to win the game. Um, the big plays are a problem. You're letting guys run all over you um, in your secondary. There's a lot of miscommunication still, which you don't like to see this late in the year. There's a lot of uh, watching the backfield. I mean, there's just there's a lot of not good in the secondary when it comes to coverage downfield. Um, the defensive line I thought was great. I thought the linebacker core did a great job. Um, OU ran the ball fairly successfully, but they're also a pretty good running team, and they've got good weapons that force you to respect other things. Again, ground game gets easier. Everything gets easier when you're balanced offensively. Um, but, you know, again, it all boils down to that if you prevent the big plays in this game, I think Tech could have won going away. But they just kept giving up, surrendering huge play after huge play. And, you know, it, part of it's what you're living and dying with, I think, this year. I think what my final synopsis of this defense is, is Tim DeRuda recognizes that the talent level is just not quite where it needs to be in the secondary. You're getting better in that front. You had some guys come back that really helped out and allowed this year to be even close to competent. But he's gambling. He's taking a lot of risks. Um, he's trusting his guys, and they're not always executing well, but you live and die with it because it gets you those couple of stops that you have to get. By the way, the, there was some. The, what really allows Tech to win this game, I think, is coaching malpractice by OU, which I'm going to get to in a sec because we're going to start talking about kind of coaching in year one for Tech. But the reason why I want to highlight this first is because I thought McGuire and staff were far better than OU was in this game. OU called some stuff where I'm just like, are you trying to fucking lose? Like, the hurry up on fourth and short was the dumbest. Like, that play was guaranteed guaranteed to stop to get stopped specifically because of the hurry up in that situation the the uh the trick play in overtime completely unnecessary that teed up dylan gabriel and if you ask me that cost are you the game i do not know what would have happened if ou had been able to trade blows with tech in that in that overtime it which defense would have found a pulse first in that overtime to get a stop i don't know who it would have been but that cost them the first down snap which cost them the second down snap because the packages got screwed up which set them up in a bad spot for third down and on third down the sack and then the missed field goal with a shaky kicker you know like there, there, there were some moments i was just like your staffs are both um in their first year brett venables also a first year head coach he's had tons of college experience though joe mcguire with none and your your staff was better they just were which is fantastic and leads me to my next talking point jack we're gonna move off of the game now and start talking about the year as a whole 
Seven and five is your final. Fourth overall in the Big 12. Winning record in conference play. I said this off the top of the show. You were the first time since Kingsbury's first year that you won three conference games in a row. You beat Texas and Oklahoma for the first time in one season ever, both at home, both in overtime, both on a field goal. So let's talk about what we learned this year. Did Texas Tech exceed your expectations? And if they did exceed your expectations... What's your actual confidence level heading into the bowl season, heading into the offseason for this program overall? Uh, well, yes, they exceeded my expectations. Uh, and quite largely, I had picked either a 5-7 and seven or 6-6 six and six season. I thought that there were a couple of games that, um, that we could have won. But I also thought that we were in some games that we wouldn't be in as well. Um, I think the bottom line for me that really stuck out this year, and if you watched the games you know, or if you went to the games you know, Tech was truly, like truly, never out of a game this season. Um, there was never that blowout. I mean, yeah, the Baylor game got ugly in the fourth quarter, but you got to remember going into the fourth quarter, that's a one-score game. So you were right there in that game. Uh, you threw, I think you threw three picks in the fourth quarter, and that's what kind of you know, force that score to go large on you. But um, I I just, I can't remember in a time where I've been a Tech fan, and it's been since I was born, so, you know, almost 30 years now, where um, there wasn't a game, like at least one game a year, where you just got the doors blown off of you. I mean, it happens one time, it has to happen, like once a year. And you know, if you're listening to this and you want to talk and you want to think the Baylor game is that game this year, you know what? By all means, go for it. But you can't take away the fact that you were in a one-score game going into the fourth quarter in that one. Um, I think that the future is so bright here, and this is kind of what I was talking about after the after the Oklahoma game, and I was saying, you know, the the trajectory can be as high as we want it to be. Um, You beat the two people that were supposedly holding down this conference at home, you know, for the first time in the, for the first time in the same season, you know, Um, you had, you blew the brakes off of a bad West Virginia game team. Like you should have, um, you know, you beat a better than usual Kansas team with relative ease, ease at home. Um, you were in games in Manhattan and in Stillwater that, I mean, if you really want to think about it, you really didn't have all that much business being in those games. And you were there. You know, this is a team that was one win away. If you win that game in Manhattan, you want to talk about a success story for the first season? If you win that game in Manhattan, Tech is playing TCU this weekend in Arlington for the Big 12 championship. So if you had that on your bingo card, congrats. But I don't think a lot of people had Tech. Well, shit, we were picked ninth, and we finished solo fourth. So, I mean, that's exceeding expectations, I think, by all means. But if you want to take that away, I mean, you're one win away in Manhattan from being in the Big 12 championship this weekend. That's mind-blowing so um i think the sky's the limit and i think that i want to i want to 
kind of reiterate the point that you said earlier, Mike. If you keep getting what you got in this OU game from Kitley, it's a great it's a great game to build off of because that should be your foundation for your entire tenure as the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. If you go out there and your game plan works, then hang 50 on them. But if it sucks and they blow it up in the first quarter, you still have three quarters to go. Make your adjustments. Be calm about it. And as long as you have good running backs, like, I mean, obviously everyone's thinking that Sir Roderick's going to leave. And, you know, if he does, then all the best to him. Um, But with Cameron Valdez coming in, you have another guy who's an electric back. So you're going to have a big, you're going to have two big running backs again next year. So I think that as long as you keep building and you keep getting better. And I mean, I know that sounds so cliche and so, um, so overused, but it like, you know, Reed and I can speak, Reed and I, we were at that game and you could just see that this team was built is building towards something better. I felt it being there and watching it. And, it's a really unique feeling, and to be quite honest, it's probably the best I've felt about tech football in, you know, 13, 14 years. I mean, yeah, I felt great after the first seven games of Cliff's tenure, but losing the next six sucked ass. And so I think you have – I really – talking about the bowl game – I think the opportunity here is so big and so large for this team to start off a first year tenure with an eight and five record and beating whoever you end up playing in the bowl game. That'd be so big for getting some guys in the portal, but in regular high school recruiting too, to come to Lubbock, you know, at least give us a shot and, you know, Maybe they wouldn't have given us a shot if we're five and seven and miss a bowl, but you know what? They finished eight and five with a bowl victory, so I'm going to go there and see what they have to say. And you know what? I'm starting to like what they're saying. I'm starting to like it a lot. And boom, recruit, you know, commit. It's just so this opportunity is huge in this bowl season. And it's just really nice to have a staff that you trust and that you can hang your hat on and that you can be proud of as a fan and for me that's where I'm at right now is I'm just super proud of the staff I'm super proud of all the guys that have stuck with it throughout this whole year I'm super thankful for the guys that came back with this staff with the staff turnover I should say and I really think that they're setting the tone for a lot of good tech football to be played in the future and with the new with the new teams coming into the Big 12, you know, I think it's super exciting. So what a better time, what better time than now, you know, to, to be all in on this football program. I really, truly can't think of one. You talk about the teams coming in. It is important to note, guys, that, like, Cincinnati's losing its head coach. They, they're in some hot water trying to re- keep their programs and momentum going. Houston is growing tired of Dana Holgerson rapidly. Um, they were severely disappointed with the output this year. Um, UCF is coming off a good year. They'll be competitive pretty quick. Just that's a very big school. A lot of um, talented players nearby. They're going to be pretty 
successful. I think Cincinnati will too, for that matter. BYU is coming off one of their uh, a disappointing year as well. So you know you're losing. Oklahoma and Texas, who are the top dogs in recruiting, right? As bad as they were this year, there's no doubt that OU and Texas are the top dogs in recruiting. Both of them are going away. TCU is probably the next closest in recruiting to those two, just because being in Fort Worth and they've had some success. And you're recruiting as well, if not better than they are, in the middle of a 12-0 and season from them. And that's not an indictment of TCU by any stretch. That speaks to Joey McGuire's ability to recruit Texas at a high level. So how do you continue to build a program that's winning? Right, like I, I had a discussion with a gentleman on Twitter who was mad about the fans leaving, and I get that. But my point has always been: you win, you will fix ninety-eight percent of all things that are fucking wrong with this program. Get fixed just by winning. And to get to the point where you're winning consistently ten games, you first have to get to the point where bowling isn't a big deal, where you're winning seven and eight, and you're there now with a chance to get to eight this year. So this was a massive first step for the program. I mean, we talked about the start of the year. Jack was at four and eight. I think I was at five and seven, six and six. I don't remember. Reed was probably I think six and six. Um, you know, none of us thought this season was going to be particularly special. Most of us thought this season could go off the rails pretty fast. I thought you had a very, very real chance to go three or four wins and so did everyone and your Vegas potential was five and a half so even with everything being weighted the schedule was brutal you you lost three quarterbacks you had injuries in the offensive line your best defense alignment gets hurt um, everything just piled up this year and you still found a way to way exceed what needed to be done in year one to keep momentum going um, you matched your best record in the last 10 years you can match it outright with a win in the bowl game which was Kingsbury's first year and you're doing that in a completely different fa- fashion, right? Like, for those of you who are wondering, like, that doesn't sound great. Like, Kingsbury's tenure faded pretty fast. His tenure started to fade that year. He lost five straight Big 12 games to close it out, went from a top 25 program to unranked, and needed an upset bid over Arizona State to get to that eight wins. So you're in the opposite boat. You were projected to not be very good. You've overachieved and been consistent all year at battling in every game like you said you weren't blown out of any there were a couple you didn't really put up your the fight you wanted to baylor being an example nc state um tcu baylor and tcu being games in the fourth quarter that were very competitive nc state being one that the Wolfpack kind of controlled but you still fought in every game nobody was able to just run you out of your own stadium texas got close you fought back and got in it oh you got close you fought back and got in it those were the two most improbable wins of the college football season the texas win expectancy was two percent this game you had no major stat categories go your way what a performance by tech to get here what a coaching job Tim DeRuiter was out incredible. Zach Kittley was maddeningly inconsistent, but again, this was his best. This was the piece de resistance for him. This was, you know, his. If you were to write the Zach Kittley offensive manifesto, it would have been what happened against OU. Had to adjust to the game plan. Had to adjust OU's response to our adjustment. Called a great game. Let a, a veteran quarterback run the game and did a great job managing it. And you know, if he, like you said, if you do that, if you can do that consistently. For the rest of his tenure, if you can do that consistently for the rest of his tenure, you'll win a lot of games in Tech. Because I think Tim DeRuiter's building something defensively that's special. You know, he's about to send a guy into the first round of the NFL draft that he's going to be telling guys. There are going to be A&M transfers, Texas transfers. These guys are talented. They're looking for somewhere to go to get some playing time and some coaching. And he can tell them, hey, you guys want to come here? Because I'll put you where you want to go. You know, you talked about recruiting. You, you can tell these guys on defense, like, hey, I'm, I took Tyree Wilson. He went from being a depth defense alignment with no playing time to the first round of the NFL draft. And I did it in an offseason. 
He announced himself against Mississippi State. I got him for one year and had him in the NFL draft. I can do that for you. And that that's that's what you can do now. With by winning, you can tell people like this was the year we were not predicted to be very good, guys. We we don't I don't have my players on campus. We're doing the best we can with a patchwork offensive line, a banged up QB room, and I still kicked half the Big 12's ass. So you know, like let's 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 give credit to where credit's due, and that's to the coaching staff for doing a phenomenal job. And again, it wasn't great from Kitley a lot this year. Tim DeRuiter wasn't perfect either. Joey McGuire wasn't perfect. But this game, they put it all together and did the best that they could to win, <coughs> and put you into position going forward as a program. Um, we've talked a lot about football tonight, and we'll continue to do so. We're waiting on the bowl selection. Just as a reminder, the two bowls that pretty much everyone's in agreement you're looking at are either the Cheez It Bowl in Orlando. Or alternatively, the Texas Bowl in Houston. Um, Texas Bowl would be a tie-in with the SEC. The SEC's bowl selection project process is different from the other conferences. The conference consults with its member schools and then selects someone. Um, so far, most people kind of think Arkansas would be looking at that bowl, but it could be anyone in their at-large pool, um, which is how you ended up with LSU versus Mahomes a while ago in that game. Um, as you guys remember, Leonard Fournette ran all over Tech, but... Mahomes was also very good and kind of announced himself to the nation. Now, on the opposite side of that, in the ACC, it looks pretty likely. I think Florida State's actually locked into the Cheez-It Bowl. Or at the very least, they are the overwhelming favorite to be in that bowl game. So you'd be playing against the ACC's Florida State, most likely. It kind of depends what happens with TCU. It kind of depends who the bowls want. Um, OU could get picked. You guys got to remember the bowls get to select who comes into these. And as a result of that... um, if I'm, you know, the cheese of bowl, there is some appeal asking the Sooner faithful to travel to Orlando, whereas Tech may not travel quite as well um, as a fan base to these bowl games. I would prefer everybody come to Houston so I could go to the game. It's right near my house. But those are the two bowls you should be thinking about and watching. And a lot of that comes down to what happens to TCU. Do they end up in the playoff or not? Because that shifts the bowl order up or down um, for the Big 12. Now, let's talk basketball. We've talked a lot of football tonight. Um, let's talk about the season so far for the Red Raiders. Georgetown, the game's ongoing right now. Tech is up 16 right at this moment. Um, kind of in cruise control a bit. Got to wake back up and kind of put some distance between us and the Hoyas again. Um, but Maui Invitational is wrapped up. Texas Tech would go 1-2, and two, losing to Creighton, Ohio State, and to dominating a, quite frankly, maybe the worst basketball team in America, Louisville, um, who is having a historically bad season. Let's talk about what we learned in that. Reed, I'll go to you first. How have you felt about the basketball team so far this year? Things you saw that you like, things that you saw that give you reason for alarm? I guess I would I would say I've kind of felt the way I, uh, I've expected so far. Um, I anticipated some growing pains. We lost uh, quite a bit last year. Uh, in terms of uh, production and leadership and that sort of thing. And um, uh, I, I knew that O'Banner would have to take quite a leap forward um, in terms of production and um, just being a leader on, on and off the court. And uh, I think we'll see that at some point, but I don't think I've seen that to the extent I would, I would like to see him uh, in, that, in that role yet. Um, so I'm hoping to see more out of him. Um, Bacho has been great so far. Uh, he's kind of lived up to the hype that I wasn't really anticipating him living up to. Honestly, I was hearing a lot of stuff and seeing stuff on Twitter that, uh, he was going to be, you know, like legit NBA prospect this season. I just, you know, I just didn't really see it, but, uh, so far he's kind of, he's kind of played in, in that role so far. So, uh, that's been good to see. And then, 
know, I think we've got some bright spots with Davion Harmon. I think he's been your your, your MVP so far, um, which isn't bad, but it would be better to see some of those younger guys kind of step up and make some more consistent plays because we do have a lot of talent. It's just kind of going to be, you know, if, if these guys can mesh and when they can mesh together. Um, I do know watching some of the game tonight is when we played better is when we played harder on the defensive end, which is what Mark Adams wants. So uh, I think if we're, you know, kind of get that through the guys that if we play good on this end, it's going to help offense a lot, a lot more than you really, you know, really think it will. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in, in limbo right now. Uh, I'll be interested to see how we look when, when AMAC comes back and how we look during in the conference and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it's really early to kind of judge because uh, I do think Creighton and Ohio State are really good teams. And while we didn't play necessarily uh, bad against them, I do think if we played them, you know, three or four months from now, we'd probably play them better than we did uh, last week. So, um, you know, I'm kind of in limbo, like I said, but I like where we're at. I think we're just going to have to take some time to just learn and fill everybody's role and see kind of, you know, what everybody's able to do for you. Um and another thing too is I really haven't felt like there's a guy off the bench that I'm super like super uh, comfortable with yet. Um, you know, I think Kerwin Walton was kind of in that role, but he hadn't really done a whole lot. And in my eyes, what I expect him to do yet. And um, you got a couple of freshmen who are trying to make themselves, uh, you know, kind of well known in, in the role. But um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see who kind of appears as a six man and you know, someone who's able to come off the bench and provide some really good scoring and production. So uh, I think there's just a lot of answered questions that need to kind of head our way. And I think those will, those will be answered with time. Jack, I'm going to go to you with the same question. Um, what have you seen so far, especially in Maui, that you've liked, that you think give good signs for the future? And what are you kind of a little worried about, a little concerned about as we grow as a team and go forward? Um. I wanna. I'll just hop on with Reed here. You know, I'm. I'm really impressed with the, uh, with the off season, uh, transformation. I guess you could call it of Daniel Bacho. Uh, he's been huge uh, so far in this season, and uh, he was great in Maui. Uh, had some great defensive games, some great offensive games. Um, you know, he's averaging twelve and a half through six games. Um, seven and a half rebounds. And so it's really all you can ask from that guy. Um, I still think Kevin O'Banner needs to take a, probably another step forward and kind of being that primary scorer. Um, you know, last year he had a bunch of other guys to do that for him. Um, you had, I think, three other guys. He was probably option four um, behind Bryson and uh, TJ and K-Mac. But uh, I think now that he's kind of the guy, I, he, I think he's still kind of getting used to the role, which, like Reed said, you know, it's to be expected, right? So um, there's definitely some, some growing pains there. Um, but I think that'll be fixed by the time that conference play starts. Um, I've also been impressed with Davion Harmon being that true point guard, being a distributor of the ball, being really good on defense too. I'm really impressed with his defense this early. Uh, from some of the guys that transfer over, sometimes it takes until about conference play for it to click. Um, 
it has not taken long at all for Davion Harmon and his defense um, to click and to be a serious uh, contender. I think he, I'm pretty sure, he, yeah, he leads the team in minutes per game. So um, as long as he's on the court, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I am, I noticed it tonight when I was watching some points in the first half. I will say my, uh, I guess my kind of low points are the fact that we're still kind of having some, um, some offensive sluggishness at times. And by that, I mean, um, somebody, if it be it Harmon or whoever at the top of the key, you know, has the ball and I don't see a lot of movement. Um, I just see a lot of guys standing still and, uh, that's got to change. That's, that's gotta be, get fixed and you gotta move and you gotta be able to get into spots for guys to get you the ball if you want to get the ball. And, um, I think that once that happens, uh, I think this offense will become a lot more free-flowing, especially with the true point guard that we really didn't have last year. Um, I think I think Pop Isaacs, you know, he's really brought his turnovers down a little bit, and so um, that's been really good. And he's and he fixed. He was really good in Maui with the turnovers. So um, as long as those turnovers stay down, I don't see a I don't see a point in time where he needs to be off the court. Um, I know I don't really understand what the, what the whole flack about that was, uh, when we talked about it, but, um, like you said, we, he's gotten the turnovers down, so I don't understand why, um, he doesn't need to see more playing time. Um, it's just the same thing you would talk about with anyone. Like if they're like a, if they're turning the ball over a lot, you're going to sit them on the bench, kind of tell them to catch their breath. Right. So that's not a weird thing to say, uh, but Sometimes people like to get in their feels early in the season. I don't get it, but um, it is what it is. He's adapting to the college game. I think he's doing it quite well. He's doing it better than a lot of people that I've seen. Um, I also agree with Reed in the fact that I really haven't uh, seen someone off the bench that has really uh, gone over and above for me yet. Um, I think Damarian Williams is getting a lot more run just because um, his defense is pretty good, and he's he's he can get hot from behind the arc. Um, Kerwin Walton was getting a lot of run, but he's kind of cooled off after the first couple games. Um, I'd be interested to see if there's more um, Lamar Washington or Elijah Fisher come off the bench uh, just to see what those guys have in the tank. Lamar Washington's a huge dude. I didn't really realize how big he was until I watched a couple of the games. Uh, he's a huge dude. Elijah Fisher you know, arguably the top ranked recruit Tech's ever had. So, um, very cool. And I, I hope he gets some time off the bench and just kind of strengthen his game before conference. I think these games coming up, um, not just tonight against Georgetown, but I think these next games kind of against some lower competition, I think that this will be time to get some good run for these guys coming off the bench and kind of see where you're at and who can kind of stick out to be that sixth or seventh guy uh, coming off the bench in these situations. Yeah, for reference tonight, I think you've got seven points off your bench in a 62-point effort. The lead, by the way, as of recording this, has dropped to eight at the U8. Um, Tech is completely out of sorts and just turn it over again. This is kind of the problem, right? Tech just doesn't look comfortable for large stretches of games offensively i think they've gone almost three minutes now without scoring and this one a maui several long scoring droughts allowed both ohio state and creighton to put games away um 
The turnover problem, oddly enough, hasn't really seemed to be quite as much of a factor in some of these. They've done a much better job protecting the ball. Not great, not perfect, more to learn from, but a bit better. Um, and uh, they, they still just they just can't put the ball in the bucket for long stretches of games, whereas other teams get hot, and your defense is not as good as the other part of this, right? Like, you're giving up 56 to a really, really bad Georgetown team at the moment, um, and you gave up a lot of points to Creighton, a lot of points to Ohio State. You know, you're just not – nothing's set in stone, but those are the worrying signs. And part of it, a lot of this just stems from the fact that nobody on the bench is giving you any help. And I think guys just get tired playing these these extended minutes as hard as Mark Adams asked them to. And when they can't come off the court because no one else can make a shot, then you, you end up in really bad situations um, as a program. So you have to get more out of your bench in order to, to fix this. Um, and you just have to be better offensively. Uh, that, 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 that sounds simple, but it is reality. Way too much this becomes the stand around and look offense. You don't see guys cutting. You don't see guys moving. There's very limited ball movement. They dribble it around for 30 seconds and somebody takes a shot. You have to move the ball. You have to do better. I mean, Georgetown right now just cut the lead to four. Uh, which is very, very concerning. If you were to lose this game, that would signal you are a bad basketball team, for the record. Um, in fact, the fact that this close is very alarming. Um, but, you know, we'll see how this game plays out. But after what happened in Maui, it's just it's just demonstrated the offense has a ton of potential, but it has to stick with what works, and it has to just – it has to do – better than it is moving the ball around you know like way too often you get one shot we don't rebound particularly well as a team you know so that teams you're not getting a lot of second chance looks you have to move the ball around take shots um you know like right now we just watched a 20 point lead go up in smokes because tech can't score they just can't and it's supremely frustrating to watch this crap happen game after game after game and i get it the team's young and all that jazz and i'd love to hear more about it but you fuck around you will find out fast and tech is in danger of dropping a third game in the non-conference in which they only played one legitimate top 25 team maybe a second in ohio state and you know that's that's why people were so mad about the Pop Isaacs thing. We don't have time for any of these guys to figure it out. We don't. Georgetown is the, is a bad basketball team and is is about to tie this game up. You know that's where we are. So let's let's speak about the basketball program honestly, and that they do not look like a team that's ready to compete in a very tough Big 12 yet. They can get there. I think there's a lot of potential. I think there's a lot of upside. But you got a lot to fix. A lot to fix. And it looked like during this game against Georgetown, as we're watching, it looked like they'd figure some of this stuff out. There was a lot better offense, blah, blah, blah. And then they just completely fall apart again. And I get it. Young team, inexperienced team, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares if you lose. And that's that's what I think... People get so on their feelings about on Twitter is just like, guys, I don't give a shit that these guys are young. I don't. You don't have time for them to play young. Pop Isaacs is having a good game tonight. Jalen Tyson's having a good game tonight. But you got other freshmen on that bench who have to perform better. You got other guys who with limited experience in this program who have to perform better. And you got guys like O'Banner who has to be better. You know, there's been a lot to like. There's a lot of shooting talent on this team that hasn't been there in years. Um, there's a lot of shooting talent that hasn't been there in years. Pop Icy's a great shooter. Jalen Tyson, great shooter. Bander can shoot. Bacho's knocking down shots. But you just have to trust your offense, continue to develop. Um, we're going to close it out here. I'm going to let Reed have the last thought with one last question related to basketball. We're, we didn't hit this one yet, so I want to get there. Reed. Other than Daniel Bacho, who's been the best player on this Tech basketball team so far? 
Yeah, I'll just kind of reiterate what I said earlier, but I think uh, Davian Harmon's definitely, you know, been the uh, your MVP so far this season. Um, I kind of look at it in a in an aspect is if somebody on that starting five were you know to go out with an injury, uh, of course you don't want to see that. But just thinking hypothetically, if somebody went out with an injury, who would hurt to lose the most? And if I look at it that way, if we lost Davion Harmon right now, I don't know who would run point guard, honestly. Uh, I think you'd have a huge dip in production from a lot of guys just because you're not having uh, your leader at the top of the key moving the ball around, uh, playing defense the way he has, and kind of so on and so forth. So uh, I think looking at it that way, I think it's definitely Davion Harmon, and he's been the one that's done the most across the board for you. Uh, he's kind of been your glue guy. He's done some scoring. He's done some defense. He's made some free throws and, you know, kind of just all around. He's been the best player for you so far. Um, I think Bacho is probably a close second, but uh, I think Davion's been the most consistent by, um, I want to say, a long shot, honestly. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree there. I, I don't think there's a lot of discussion about this um, just because, really, you just have – you've seen so little from so many guys. Your starters have all you've gotten – and if you were to lose Harmon at this stage in the game, um, you'd be and and I, I I don't know if you would win many games. Um, so we have to pray for his health. We I think this team will get a lot better when Amac gets back. I think Bacho needs some assistance. I think O'Banner needs some time to be able to take a seat. Bacho needs to be able to take a seat and get rested without worrying about it. Um, but you you need another guard to develop quickly to help Harmon out. Um, maybe that's Pop Isaacs, maybe that's Jalen Tyson, maybe it's somebody off the bench, but you just, you need somebody to develop really fast to support these guys, because if you don't, you will not win many games. You cannot win running five in the Big 12. There's too much depth, too much talent. You got to at least get to six or seven, well, really, you need to get to eight to really feel confident about where you stand. Um, so just, you know, continue to watch. We're watching the Georgetown game, and some of the commentary is colored by that. It's really disheartening to blow such a massive lead in the second half. Um, and now I'm really in a dogfight with a team that will not win, may not win a Big East game. You know, they are that bad. Um, so that's really disheartening to watch. But, you know, like anything, everything is easier when you win. So just keep winning. Get to non-con- Get out of the non-conference. You won't have another serious challenge in non-conference play. So get out of non-conference from this point on. Get ready for the Big 12. And hopefully somebody on this bench starts to help them out and really make it happen for them. Because, um, you know, you need – you just – that's where the, the biggest change – I don't think it's Pop Isaac's turnovers. I, it's the biggest thing that has to change for this team to succeed. It's not Kevin O'Banner's turnovers. It's not Daly and – it's not somebody helping – Harming out more, blah, blah, blah. The biggest thing that has to change is you've got to get help from the bench in a hurry. And if you find that, this team can really start to take off. And again, some of that changes. AMAC comes back, you're instantly six deep. And that changes what teams have to defend, and that changes and helps out your rotation. But guys like Fisher, guys like Williams, you, you just you need more. Um, it can't just be the Daniel Bacho show. It can't just be the Harmon show. It can't just be um, Pop Isaac or Tyson or O'Banner who are doing the scoring. It's got to be somebody off that bench um, and making plays for you. But we're going to close out here. I'm going to watch the end of this Georgetown game. It's suddenly become an extremely competitive basketball game with just a few minutes left to play. Um, we'll talk more about basketball going forward it's going to start to be the primary focus 
we'll keep you guys informed on bowl matchups, bowl previews, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, the thing with basketball is after this point, Tech does not really take a real challenge from anyone in the non-conference. It's the last kind of name team coming in until Big 12 play. So we'll keep up with basketball, but it's mostly just going to be checking to make sure that the guys are winning, talking about development, um, and we'll start really diving into basketball once we get to the Big 12 season and really opening it up. As always, if you guys want us to talk about something, you can just let us know. Um, bat- baseball, there's been some movement in the assistant coaching rules, some lawsuits on that front we're going to try to look into. Um, but really, if you got a sport you want us to talk a little bit about it, just feel free to let us know. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day, and wreck them.